Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, they will uh, we'll get the children going. Ephesians chapter 6, we're, we're come down here now to verse 5 and 9, the last section, and uh, in this last passage here, uh, we've been talking about the Spirit-filled life, and we come to this fourth area, the last of it, and we're going to talk about the job, the work, the J-O-B, the big bad man, and you know, the big man, the, you know, letting them give it to the man type of thing. And it's an interesting thing here, verse number five, servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. And uh, we, we read that, and we come to this last section, and, and it is fitting, if you will, as we kind of conclude what a spirit-filled life is to look like. And the, the, the thing is, and the command started back in chapter 5 there in verse 18, and be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And what is it to be filled with the Spirit? And that's what we've been looking at now over the last several months as we begin to understand that being filled with the Spirit is that taking of the Word of God and allowing the Word of God, the Spirit through the Word of God, to control your life, to grip your life, to come along and to fill your life up, fill it up, make it full. And it's a, it's a life that's going to be controlled by, and it's a life that's going to be filled by, and it's a life that's under the grip of the Spirit and that comes from him working through the word in you, in your inner man. And then we saw the results of that. What does it look like? Verse 19 to 21, there's the individual. It starts with you. Whether you're a husband or a wife or whether you're a mom or a dad or, an, or a servant, an employee or a master, i.e. boss, it doesn't matter where you're at. The, to have the spirit-filled life work and control and grip your life, it starts with you. You have to make that choice. This is how I'm going to operate. It doesn't operate any other way but that way. So he starts here, and he moves with the individual. Then he moves into marriage, verse 22, through the end of the chapter there. And here's what it looks like in the roles in marriage, verse, chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. Here's the family. Here's what this looks like in the family, in the children, in the moms, in the, dad, in the parents. In, in that, and now he moves outside of the home. Now he's going to take us and move us outside of the marriage, outside of the family, and into the present evil world, the pew. <laughs> I, I, I saw that. That's my invention, the P-E-W. You know, it's like the, the skunk went to church and sat in his own pew, you know. When we think about the world, and it's, you know, it really does stink, so pew, anyway i got to justify reason for having it, right? You know, all right, move along, she says, move along. Okay, so the thing is, is as we move now, and now he's going to begin to give us a description of the life of a believer that's under the influence of the Spirit, 
and now is moved out into the world. And, and when that movement into the, into the world, he uses the issue here in verse 5 to 9 of work, of, of, of this nobility of work, it was once called. The, you, you've always heard of the Protestant work ethic, Okay, and that's that issue of, like the Catholics wouldn't have a work ethic. I, I never understood that, but I do understand where it came from. Don't get me wrong. But the thing is, is, it's this issue of work because outside of the family, outside of the marriage, and as you move into the world, the place where you're going to put on display a spirit-filled life is going to be in, in, in the job, in, in where you work. You can do it at the grocery store by being patient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't work well for me either. And I'm in the self-service line, and I'm having a hard time with the checkout guy, you know. And it, Self-service, checkout guy, okay. A little slow this morning. I know it's 100 and something out, but come on now. <laughs> I don't know, Paul. <laughs> this side of the room. I go, maybe this side. I don't know. Maybe after the first couple rows, right? But see, the thing is, is when you think about this issue, notice verse 5, not with eye service, I'm sorry, verse 5, servants, verse 9, masters, that's the issue of employee and employer, boss, okay? And he's, again, going to describe the issue here of work and the nobility of it, the value of it. And it's an interesting thing. Come back with me to Genesis chapter 2. You, we have an overhead this morning, and you have the handout simply because we're going to be flipping verses a little more than what we have in the last couple of weeks. Look at Genesis 2. When God created creation, we went back to this on all of these institutions that we looked at. Look at 2.1. Thus the heavens and the earth were what? Finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his what? Work. Genesis 2.1. God is now going to move Adam and Eve into a finished work. That's ironic because where do you and I live? In a finished work of Calvary. So just as we live in the finished work of of the Lord Jesus Christ, Adam and Eve are now going to go live in the finished work of creation. But notice it's work. Come back to chapter 1 and verse 28. God gave Adam a job. And he does it right off the bat. So ingrained in man and humanity is what? Work. Let's do a job. Let's go to work. All right? By the way, you know, at work, it, it does take work to be lazy. It does take work to do that. Yes, it's got to sit on that couch, eat that. Pot- Boy, they got a new potato chip out, and no, I'm just. <laughs> I saw the commercial. Yeah, right, okay. No, I, <laughs> uh, I tell on myself. <laughs> Look at 128. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, be what? Be fruitful. They're already married. And he says, be fruitful. Go have some kids. Multiply and multiply. Let's have some more family units. 
and replenish the earth. Fill that bad boy up out there. Go out there. Let's get to work, Adam. You're going to go fill. You're going to get, you're married, you and Eve. You're going to go have kids. Those kids are going to have kids. You're going to fill this up. And then he says, and subdue it. And have dominion over the creation. And he goes out there. He's got a job to do right off the bat. There's no vacation. There's no day off. There's, he goes, go to work, Adam. If you look there in chapter 2, in verse 19, And out of the ground of the, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to, unto Adam to see what he would call them. What's he going to do? He's got a job to do. Here's work. So God instills. Look, look, look back up at verse uh, 15, 2.15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to what? Keep it. He's got work to do. Verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. He, God looks at Adam and says, Adam, here's your home. You're to keep it. You keep the walls painted. You keep it up. You, keep, you dress it. You enhance it. You know what it is to get dressed? I don't always look this good every day of the week. Well, I do, but... You know, you, you get what do you, you get dressed, you get enha you enhance it. You get you, you come along and use your 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 ingenuity, you use your uniqueness, you use your creative genius, and you enhance this. Now, verse 17, he says, You can't eat of that one tree, don't stay. But everything else, Adam, is all yours. So God's Original plan for man, for man, for Adam, for Eve, was this responsibility to go to work and to keep the garden that God had gave him. Come over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. God, God has man working. He's out enjoying creation. He's out going. I mean, there, there's 1 Thessalonians 4. I'm sorry. There's nothing like an end of a good day's work where you've worked, you've toiled, you do, and you've produced. And that's what God has told Adam. Paul picks up on that, 1 Thessalonians 4. Look at verse 9. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed you do it toward all the brethren which are in all of Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that ye what? Increase the more and more. You guys are doing good, but you need to work at doing what? More. Now watch verse 12, or verse 11. And that ye study to be quiet, and to do your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Isn't that interesting? Paul's got the same. You need to study. You know, studying is work. Ecclesiastes, studying is weary to the flesh. I had a guy one time, he, we were, when we went to rent the La Quinta, when we moving out of the living room into the La Quinta, I went over and talked to the assistant manager of the hotel. He was a Baptist preacher. And he says, well, I, what work do you do? And I told him what I was doing at the time, working for bashes and so forth. And he goes, no, that's the wrong work. He was talking about church, but he was a, he was an odd duck. 
You know, most of those Baptist guys are sometimes. They're just an odd. So, but I got to talking to the senior, the, the, the manager, because we had to iron out some details and stuff and so forth. And he's like, well, I thought you preachers, all you guys did was play golf five times a week. And I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> five times. I haven't played once in three years, you know, at the time. What, 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 studying is what? It's work. Where's you out? Study to be quiet. Tend to your own business. Take care of your own affairs. Work is a part of this. Work with your own hands. Hey, you go out there and toil and do. Come over to 2 Thessalonians 3. There's a mandate here for having a quality of life, a dignity of life, and work is a part of it. 2 Thessalonians 3. Look at verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love the people that say Paul never commanded, God didn't give Paul commandments. Really? Here's one. There's a couple of them. <laughs> that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the traditions which ye have received of us. Well, what did we just receive of him in 1 Thessalonians 4? That we're to do what with our own hands? Work. This isn't a, this guy here isn't a issue of he can't work. This is an issue of he just ain't going to do it. See, sometimes you get in a position where you just can't work. It's not a, when Brian was, for, when he got sick and, he, and Home Depot told him you can't work here anymore, you need to be on disability, it broke his heart because he couldn't go to work. He'd been working all of his days, and what is he? Well, now what do I do? See, verse 9. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any work would not work, neither should he eat. It's, again, it's not a could not. It's a rejection to work. In other words, what was going on there at Thessalonica, apparently was there were some people there that were mooching off the other brothers and sisters. And they were just the charity clause. Oh, come on and help me out, man. I can't. And it's like, wait a minute, are you working? Well, you know what kind of boss I had? And we'll talk about bosses in a minute. You know what kind of... And Paul's like, you know what you do with that guy? You cut him off at the knees and call him shorty and be done with him. You don't deal with him. Why? Because he's refusing to work. That's why here, if someone comes and says, hey, I need help with this or that, we usually help them as long as they are doing what? Working. They're working a job. They just get behind. Life happens to all of us. We're going to help them out a little bit, get them over the hump. But what are they doing? They are working. Come over to Ephesians chapter 4. It's a fascinating thing when you think about work. You think about why do you work, you know, you know, Ephesians 4 verse 28, it's a great verse on the issue of money and the issue of why do you work. Ephesians 4 verse 28, let him that stole steal no more. You know what that indicates? That there were people at Ephesus that were stealing. They were thieves. And I know what happens. Parents will say, my kid would never be a thief. Yeah, I don't say that because you know what it says? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You put them in the right spot at the right time, guess what they're going to do? 
They're going to steal. So you don't say, my kids are perfect, because then that's when they break your heart. Let them that stole, what? Steal no more, but rather let him labor. Isn't that interesting? You know what the guys do is they, they move the colon. They say, let him that stole steal, colon, no more let him labor. <laughs> no more labor. Let him go steal. You know, they, anyway, that's, a, you, that's another one of those little preacher jokes. I'm sorry. You've got to work that out. Now watch the rest of this verse, because why do you labor? Working with his hands, the thing which is what? Good. Labor is good. Work is good. That he may, that, why, the purpose, the intent, that he may have what? To give to him that needeth. So now you can go and be a benefactor to someone who needs. You see, you've worked over here, you've toiled, you've set, you've, 1 Thessalonians chapter, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy 5 verse number 8, he says over there, well, I better read it. It should be 1 Timothy 5. I don't know what's in, if I have. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he have denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. When you talk about working a job, why do you work? One is to provide for your own. If you don't work, you're not going to eat, 1 Thessalonians just told us. So, or 2 Thessalonians just told us. So you're going to work to eat, but then you're going to work to do what? Provide for those who don't have. They need help. That's the case with the local assembly. You come in, you say, look, I worked, I've purposed to give, here it is, and bam, we can help, and we can do. But if you look there in, 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 in verse 28, the, again, labor with your hands, why? So you can go be a benefactor for someone who needs. Now, come back with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. So, when it comes to work... What did God do with Adam? Go, to, go get a job. What does Paul do with you and I? Get a job. Don't be a mooch. Don't work the system. That's a big one, you know. Today they say that they can't find people. Have you, ever know, have you noticed lately how many help wanted signs are just everywhere? You go into the, we went into a restaurant the other day. And the, the lady's like, it's going to be like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, because we're shorthanded in the kitchen. I'm like, that's the wrong place to be shorthanded. But they were. So guess what? An hour later, we're like, hello. <laughs> and she's like, okay. And, and, okay. But see, the thing is, is what's, why is that the case? One of the cases is, is the system. They're working the system. Yay or nay, like it or not, doesn't matter. Go back to work. But what's the new generation do today? In the phones, it'll be provided and, wait a minute, what do you mean it's shutting down? <laughs> hey, who turned off my cell phone? And then you get the government come in and do what? I'll give you a cell phone. Oh, great, wonderful. Then I don't have to work. Wonderful. It's fascinating to me. Our McDonald's over by our house now, I don't I don't think on Sundays there's a young person in that room, in that building. It's all older people. Why? Because they work, and they, they, they got to work. There it is. So God now is going to talk to Israel. Deuteronomy 8. 
And in Deuteronomy 8 here, he's going to talk to Israel, and he's going to remind Israel here about some things. Verse 1, all the commandments which I commanded thee this day shall ye observe to do that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. God is talking to Israel through Moses. It's time for them to go into the land. And what is God going to have them do as they go, when they go into the land? Verse 2, And thou shalt remember, notice, now watch every word in these verses. Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know that was in thine heart whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. You go over to chapter 29 and the shoes didn't wear out. And what happens is, is what God said over here to Israel, they're going into the land. He says, you remember those 40 years in the wilderness and how I miraculously took care of you. Now when he says the raiment didn't wax old and the shoes don't wear out, that doesn't mean that they only had one raiment for 40 years. It means that they had an abundance of raiment. Have you ever worn a shirt and then you, then you put it in the closet and you don't wear it until a little, little later and you go, wow, this is a brand new shirt. And you've had it for years. I'm doing that now. I've lost some weight and I'm finding, I'm like, wow, I, I forgot I had that one. Hey, it feds. Woohoo. You know? And then two weeks later, you're like, ah, oh, it's fat again. I put it over there. You know? Right? You do that up and down. Right? Well, that's what's going on here. Listen, Israel, you're going into the land. You need to remember. Did they know where, did they make the manna? It just showed up every morning, didn't it? And they had to do it and tend to it. But God miraculously took care of them, supernaturally, miraculously provided for them. Remember that, Israel. Remember when you do that. Because guess what's going to happen, verse 7. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains, of depths, the springs that spring out of the valleys and the hills, a land of wheat and barley and vine and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. Look at that. They're going into the promised land, aren't they? And they got all of this. But you see that thing about digging brass? You know brass is not found in the ground? Brass comes from metallurgy, where you take two metals, tin and copper, and put them together. So they figured out how to, they're having to work. If you're going to go out there and dig iron out of the ground, tin and copper, what are you doing? No, you're not supernaturally doing anything. What are you doing? You're the seven dwarfs, off we go, to work we go, right? And you're digging and you're producing. They have to go to work now. They're not, God's not miraculously providing anything for them now. Now they're, they're, now they're developing metallurgy. They're developing chemistry. They're learning to work. Verse 14, then, thy, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt 
from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness. Verse 16, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna. Verse 17, and thou say in thine heart, what? My power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this what? Wow, look at what they're going to say. They're going to forget that who provided. And they're going to get over there and work it out, and they're going to say what? They go to work. And they're going to say, my power, my work is what brought this wealth. Verse 18, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. You know what he's doing here with Israel? He's like, listen, here you need to understand the value of work. I've been taking care of you for 40 years in the wilderness. I've had, I've had these miracles going and been taking care of you and providing, and now you're going to go into that promised land, and you're going to have to go to work. The miracle provision is going to stop. So what did Israel do? They did it, and what did they do? They took the brag. Look at what I did. Look at what my work is. And God says, no, you remember who gave you that ability. See? Folks, you need to realize that the miracles belong to a wilderness living. And they're designed for children that need to be trained. And when, they become, when you become an adult... When Israel became an adult in the land here, what does an adult do? Goes to work. Provides. Children need to be provided for. And an adult provides. So when you come back to Ephesians 6, got to hurry, couldn't get through the morning here. <laughs> Except it is nice and comfortable in here, isn't it? Chapter 6. You see, God looks at Adam and Eve... Go to work. He looks at Israel. Go to work. He looks at us. Go to work. 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 And I know what happens in Israel. They get the seven days. They get the Sabbath off. That wasn't a break from work. That was a pause in their day, their work week, to say, hey, wait a minute. Here's what's really going on. And we need to be reminded of that. You know, you work. He tells Adam over there, you're going to toil that ground till sweat is falling off your face, the face, sweat of the face of your brow. That's work. Chapter 6, verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. When he says servants, he's talking about employees. The new Bibles will usually change that word to slave. Slave is not what he's talking about. Uh, come over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. You, you, I hope you understand in Scripture, slavery, as we think about slavery of selling off people and, and so forth, is condemned in Scripture in that manner. Now, there are, you have, you've heard of indentured servants. That's where you went, that's that thing in Proverbs where the borrower is subject to the lender, okay, is a servant to the lender, where you went and out of the nastiness of your desires of your flesh, you had to have something, so what did you go do? You went and put it on the credit card, and now the credit card runs your life. Eat your bacon every morning. So that's what happens, okay? In Scripture, when we talk about slavery, 1 Timothy 1, verse 9, we went through this passage 
knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for the sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for homeowners, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for, see that, men stealers? That's talking about kidnapping. That's talking about slavery. That's talking about taking someone, come back to Exodus 21. You, you need to see that. There's a lot going on today about race and slaves and racism and all that stuff. And you need to understand what Scripture says about this stuff. Look at Exodus 21. You see, when he talks there about men stealers, he's talking about slavery, about kidnapping people and then going and selling them off for profit. And if you know anything about slavery in the, in the history of the world, get out, get it, quit thinking about the United States, but you go back and you study slavery as a, as a world issue, that's exactly what they did. They go down in those tribes down there in Africa and they steal the men and the ladies and, and they steal them. By the way, if you look at them, a lot of it was Muslims doing it, by the way, just so get myself in trouble, but anyway got to know your history. Don't just knee-jerk react to what's going on currently. Look at Exodus 21. Look at verse 16. And he that stealeth a man and selleth him, or if he be found in his hand, he shall surely be praised and attaboyed. No, what does it say? Put to death. So God, under Israel, under the law, condemns slavery as stealing men. Again, the indentured servant thing's different. That's you did it. Okay, and then in Paul in the body of Christ, guess what? Slavery, stealing men, being is condemned. So don't when you come back here to chapter six, don't let the new Bibles mess this up and put that word slave in there. It's a servant. It's an employee. It's someone you're working for and with. Six five, servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Think about this. Fear and trembling, singleness of heart. This is going to become a heart issue. Come back with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. When Paul is going to talk here about our attitude in labor and work and our relationship as we go into it as a believer, a spirit-filled believer going to put on display the life of Christ on the job, he says, first of all, you've got to have a singleness of heart. I know it's later in the verse, but that's what comes first. Romans 6, verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Where do you obey? In the heart. Out of the heart come the issues of man. Out of the heart is where everything's coming. What's going on inside of you has to, the heart issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's where God's truth works. And when it works in there and you take that work and you apply it to the details, and we're talking about work, there in 6 5, servants be obedient to them. Where did you learn to obey? Where did you learn to be obedient to? Authority to those over you in authority. Well, chapter 6, verse 1, what did it say? Children, obey your parents. You learn that at home. That's why we spent that time with mom and dad. Father, what are you teaching them at home? Understanding to be under authority. Because what are you going to do when you go out there? To, I can remember the first time Ricky came to me and said, I'm gonna, I'd like to move out. And I said, okay. 
here's what rent's going to be. Let's do this at home where you're safe. And we went to rent and everything. And he goes, well, working at McDonald's ain't going to make it. I said, I know, son, you got to get another job, a better job. Why? How does he learn? He learned that because what? we did it at home, safe and secure. But he learned got to have a job. That's what, so you go out there in the job and you say, well, I want to be the boss. Since when do they let the newbie be the boss? It doesn't work that way, dude. You got to start at the bottom and work yourself up. You know, <laughs> even if you got all the PhDs and the masters and all that schooling, you still got to work at the entry level and then you work your way up. But if you don't know how to operate and function in that, then you're going to be in trouble. Come on over to Titus chapter 3. This starts At home, it starts in the heart. Titus chapter 3. So when he says here, servants be obedient, he's talking about, hey, you're going to, and from the singleness of your heart, I can obey the boss because I know what it is to have authority over me, mom and dad. I understand that. And I understand what it is to take direction from a boss to go and do. And I can understand also what it is in a minute to be a boss. You have to remember, you will always be a servant or a boss to someone at any point in time in your life. You will always be in that work, in that realm. You will either be the employee being told what to do or you'll be the boss telling someone what to do. That could be in the marriage. You can bring it in there. It can be in the family. It's in all those realms. Titus 3, verse 1. Put them in mind to be subject. I love that. Be subject. Romans 13 over there, he says, you're to be subject to the powers. Every soul, let, 13, 1, let every soul be subject. Soul, inner man, thinking, heart. Usually with that, we, with the government, we think with our pocketbooks, Right? No, with your wallet. No, you think inside. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. How are you doing that with your boss? What happens usually on the job? You get over in the break room and somebody starts in about the boss, and next thing you know, you've got to rally to get rid of the boss. You know what that verse says? Speak evil of no man. That includes the boss. That includes everybody around you. It doesn't mean he's right or wrong. By the way, keep reading. For ye ourselves also were sometimes. Hey, you know what it is to be unsaved. Most of the time your bosses are unsaved. The people you work with are unsaved. You know what? You know what it is to work and operate in the flesh. So when they do it, don't be surprised. You can then react to them appropriately. Sometimes, you were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust, pleasures, and living in malice, and envy, hateful, and hating one another. But after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. You know what it is. Come back to Ephesians 6. You understand what it is. You were there. So when the unsaved start getting rowdy, you can just sit there and say, yeah, I was in that, but I'm in this now, spirit-filled. I'd been over here joining. I'd been leading the cause. 
Yeah, but Rick, what about injustice? There's none of that in these verses. What about the, I can remember at the school, the union wanted to come in. And uh, the Teamsters wanted to come in and get the bus drivers. Mesa's the biggest school district in the state and all this good stuff. And uh, management wasn't having it. <laughs> and it was kind of rough there for a little bit. And they were riling up everybody, getting everybody, rah, 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 rah. And, you know, they just sat there and whatever. And they never had enough. They had never had enough votes to get anywhere is really what happened. Because 90% of the, of the driver force is all retired folks anyway. And, and all they wanted to do was drive a little bus and make a little money. And they didn't want all that other. Actually, a lot of them came from that. <laughs> so they didn't want, well, I'd keep giving, you know. I can remember working at Bash's. I talked to Bash, a guy I worked at with at Bash's. He wanted to get the union in. And uh, Bash's actually came out and said, why? We give you everything the union gives you, and we don't take any money from you. <laughs> it's like, well, okay, that's a good point. <laughs> okay, you know. But see, what happens? You get all riled up. You know, none of that is here. As a spirit phobe, what are you on the job for? Providing, paying the bills, have a little extra to help out and give over here. Isn't that interesting? Notice 6.5. Obedient to your, that are your masters according to the what? The flesh. That's their realm. This isn't the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is back up there in 6.1, 2, and 3 with mom and dad. Where they're spiritually in the... This is the flesh. They, they, and also, by the way, according to the flesh, they're going to make mistakes. So you have to deal with them according to how the grace of God has taught you how to deal with yourself when you make mistakes. And you begin to work it out. Then he says, with, with fear and trembling. Wow. Look back at chapter 5, verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Isn't that interesting? When he talks here about fear and trembling, he's talking about what scares you. What holds you accountable? Come back with me to Isaiah 66. Isaiah 66. What causes you to pause? What caught? Do you fear disobeying God's word? Now, he's not talking about knowing that God, God's not going to slap you on the back of the head or whatever. But he's talking about integrity. He's talking about Isaiah 66, verse 2. Isaiah says, For all those that have mine hand, uh, for all those things hath my hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite heart, a spirit, and what? Trembleth at my word. Paul, when he says with fear and trembling, he's talking about do you have a respect, a fear for God's word? Does disobeying God's word cause you to pause a moment? Because, again, it's the singleness of heart. It's stuff, back in Ephesians 6 now, it's the stuff going on inside. It isn't this out here. Listen, folks, right now we're still living a pretty free country. You can leave that job anytime you want to. It's okay. You can give them your notice and go do something else. Right? Yeah. Especially now, help wanted everywhere, you know. 
But see, the thing is, is what's going on inside of you? That's the issue. That's what Paul's after. 6.5, servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart. Again, it's your heart issue. Am I going to function the way God's word would have me to function? No matter what the situation, no matter what the bosses do, no matter what happens and transpires, am I going to do what I'm supposed to be doing? Because what's that verse, how does that verse end? As unto Christ. Anytime you don't think anybody's looking, guess who's looking? The Godhead is looking. All of them. They got you. That's why he'll say, verse 6, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the what? The heart. Again, integrity, internal. Now come over to Colossians 3, because here's the sister verse. Colossians 3.22. And it helps us here. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. There it is. Fearing God. Men pleasers. You're not doing this to be seen. You're doing it because Scripture tells you, get a job, take care of yours, provide for the local, local church, provide for others. Get in the... This is what you're to be doing. doesn't say be the greeter at Walmart or be the CEO of Walmart. I'd rather be the greeter, I think. <laughs> the CEO's probably got a lot of headaches. You know, at least the greeter, all he's got to worry about is saying hello. I don't even think they have greeters anymore. I don't know. Anyway, the thing is, is it, isn't, it isn't the circumstance. It's how you are to be in the circumstance. But then that verse said, as unto Christ, as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, we'll look at 323. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Colossians 3.23. See, we, we use that 3.23 a lot. Just do it under the Lord. But it's, the context is work. The context is on the J-O-B, the job. What am I doing? Well, what's God's will? God's will is that I'm working and I'm doing it and I'm not doing it to be seen. I'm doing it from the heart. Now come back to Ephesians 6. Verse 7. With good will, doing service, as to the Lord and not to men. There's the integrity that we work by. With goodwill, doing service as unto who? The Lord, not unto men. We're not doing this out of selfishness. We're not doing this out of a promotion. We're doing this willingly, goodwill. Good. We're doing it from a proper thinking process, a proper heart attitude, and we're doing it to serve the Lord. Why? Verse 8, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. The bond there, that's the indentured servant idea. No matter your situation, you know something. Look at verse 8 carefully, knowing. We know something that's coming. 
we know a day. We know that there's a big payday out in the future, do we not? It's called the judgment seat of Christ. And what happens is, come over there to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. We know something. We know 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9 and 10. We know that here we are, and we are laboring. We are working. We, we've been to Calvary. That starts our history. It's, isn't it interesting that a graveyard, the cemetery, starts our history? <laughs> Up from the grave he arose. We start, we're working, and there's going to be a day out here. We call, call, Paul calls it the judgment seat of Christ. And what happens on that day? Verse 9, wherefore we labor. Just why in the world are you laboring? Why are you working? Because what does the will of God say? Get a job. Labor. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Paul has been out working. He looks at the Thessalonians and he says, you know what manner of men I am. I didn't come in there and, and rob you. I came in there and went to work. Ananias and Sapphira, the tent making, I went to work. And I worked that job. I labor. I want my labor. Now, also in his labor is the work of the ministry, which, by the way, you all have a work of ministry, that whether ab present or absent, we may be accepted of him. What is to be accepted of him? You're already accepted in the beloved. You're already complete in Christ. So what's the acceptance part? Our labor, our work. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done by his body. Did I read that right? No, I didn't. It's done what? In his body. It had nothing to do with that. What are you out there doing? It's what's going on inside of you. What do you do in your body? And by the way, it doesn't say by the body, with the body, for the body. It says in the body, whether it be good or bad. You're going to receive. So what is he talking about? Here you are working a job, and you're doing it with the singleness of heart, a singleness of thinking about who you are in Christ. You're operating under the Spirit-filled issues of life. How did that happen? How did you get there? Well, first you did what? You had an intake of doctrine, sound doctrine, did you not? Yes. Then that sound doctrine, you took it and you applied it to the details of life. He tells the Corinthians, knowledge does what? Puffeth up. But what edifies? Charity, love in action, right? Charity, movement. You see, when he talks here as a believer, we build, come back to Ephesians 5, or Ephesians 6. We build up the sound doctrine in our soul. And when we do that, we're building up this capacity here of our inner man. We're building into us an edifice of, of sound doctrine, and that's wonderful. We get the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding, that gold, silver, and precious. We build that in there. But you know what? That's whoop-de-doo. It's designed for you to know, 6-8, knowing. See that? We know some things, don't we? But keep reading the verse. That whatsoever good thing any man doeth. We've got the built-up sound doctrine, but we ain't doing we're not, fulfill, we're not finishing the formula. We've left a step out. What do we have to do? We've got to go do. We've already done the studying. we got the doctrine in us. Now we turn to the details of life. 
in the context, you individually, your marriage, your family, and your job, and we apply the details to it. Why in the world am I working? Well, what's 1 Timothy say? Provide. What's Thessalonians say? If you don't work, you don't eat. I like to eat. Let's work. Ephesians 4, don't steal, labor, provide for others. I got the sound doctrine right there, three references. We've looked at them. Now I have to do what? Well, I want to apply it. I want to do this. No, then guess what? I'm not, I, you got to take that next step. That's what Paul's driving at. You got all of this. We know some things. We, knowing whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. We know some things. We got to go over here and put it and apply it to the details of life. And when we apply it to the details of life, we've built in this knowledge base. Now we got to go and live it. We got to. We've got to put it into the details. And when we do that, we know something. We know that there is a review and a reward given for that day. The good things. I love that. You know the sound doctrine. You have it in it, in your inner man. Now you've got to go live it, walk it. Then he says, verse 9, And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master, notice it's a capital M, also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. It's only one verse to the bosses. You got four, four verses to the workers. But that's because, notice verse 9 carefully. Ye masters, what? Do the same thing. You see all this stuff about the employee and what they're to do? You masters, you be doing that too. You do that too. You come along and you work not for eye service. I had, we used to have a supervisor at the bus yard. Uh, I won't tell you the school district, but it was like the second or third one I worked for. And they loved to be patted on the back. When they would walk in, we would all stand, just to mock you, just out of mockery. But he just loved it. He, he enjoyed He looked for it. You know what? As a spirit-filled master, that's not what you're looking for. What are you there to do? If you're a boss, what are you there to do? Work. Produce something. If you've got a boss above you, there's a bottom line they're looking at. You've got to produce. And so you know what you're going to do? You're going to have the same ethic that that servant, the employee, is going to have. You're going to work. You're going to come along and do it with the singleness of heart, as unto Christ. You're not looking for the attaboys and the praise and the promotion. You're looking for it to produce that paycheck that provides and takes care and does the things in life you want to do. But then he says, Forbear, forbearing threatening. Don't use fear and threats to motivate. Rather, use the truth to motivate. Knowing that your master also in heaven is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Whoa. He's talking about the life of Christ being in your thinking. Have his thinking be your thinking. Have his attitude be your attitude. And you begin to put on display in the details of your life as a boss, his life. Because one time in your life, employment history, you were a worker. 
You were an employee, and now you're a boss. And what do we know about employees? They make mistakes. They mess up. So then how do I respond to that? How does the Lord respond to you when you mess up? By his love and grace and mercy and long-suffering. But he comes in and takes you by the hand and walks you through the mess up, doesn't he? So what should you do with your employee? Walk them through. You guys heard of that one-minute manager, those little books and stuff back in Maxwell and all those guys? That's all they talk about doing. The guy that founded Chick-fil-A, one of his leading guys in the early days, their Christian base, you know what he used to do? He used to sit and have meetings with, his, with the head people and the few restaurants that were there, and that's where the Sunday off thing came around. And they would walk, he would walk them through problems because he knew what the end result needed to be, and he would walk. He didn't yell at them. He didn't forbear them. He didn't threaten them. He, he just walked. He took... Who he was in Christ, I read the guy's testimony, saved man, and he put it on display in just a simple attitude with dealing with unsaved employees because he knew that, you know who they needed? They needed Christ. In the world we live in, all of us is a servant or a master to someone. In this world around us, we need to make a difference. And how we do it is by taking the sound doctrine and applying it to the details of life. Because when we do that, we become a place where the life of Christ is on display, and then he can go to work in that environment. The world around us is falling apart, as we think. It's been falling apart since Adam and Eve. And all along the way, what did he tell Adam? You go out there and work. You're my representative, now go work. He looked at Israel, said, you're my representative, now go work. He looks at the church, the body of Christ, and he says, you're my representative, now go work. Adam failed, Israel failed, and the body's failing. One man showed up, and he says, I am the man. And he never failed. And he set what life should be like for you and I. We can't get there. We're, we're not perfect. Where he's perfect. But we sure enough can let his life live out through us in the details of our life as we impact each other. We're talking about the job. We're in the world now. <laughs> you know, we go home, shut the doors, close the blinds, turn the air conditioning way low. And we can shut that world out this past couple weeks with Linda being home hurt. And I've been home and we haven't watched a lot of news. It's been so wonderful, you know. And we watched a little bit of the news to see how the fires are going and that's about it. And the weather, so we know what that is. You got to get kind of unplug every now and then. Our job is to put on display his life so he can go to work. And that's how we do it, okay? So when you go to work, let's go to work with the right attitude. We know the, folks, I look around the room, you guys all know the verses. You just now got to take them from in here and put them out in that walk, okay? All right, dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, Lord. And above all, we thank you for 
who we are in your Son, for everything that we have. We give you the honor and the glory and the praise for that. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.